And you're back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We have another clue for our quiz, which... Did we skip this clue? We did skip a... We got I might have to give you two clues. We got distracted by talking about my mm-hmm. broken pen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, poor broken pen. Yeah. I'm just a little bit sad about this. We'll, we'll fix it. No, no. Heathen. <laughs> oh, I see. You've already got a new pen. I yeah, see how it is. Uh, already been replaced. Already. Replaced already. See if I can fix one shifter with another shifter. Yeah, okay. All right. So who <laughs> yeah. am I? Let me give you two clues at once. The scripture says no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that I did. And the second clue is I regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Okay. This I was right easy. the first time. Yeah, yeah. Yes, this is easy peasy. Yep. Who has connection to Egypt and the treasures thereof? Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. Treasures of Egypt, pretty spectacular. <coughs> I know, It right? was an incredibly wealthy nation. Incredibly wealthy. It was the world's superpower at uh-huh, one stage. Uh-huh. They've still got some crazy stuff coming out of it. They do, they do, they do uh-huh, indeed. Uh-huh. Anyway, we're going to start our encounter with God, and then later on in the show we're going to be talking about something quite insidious, insidious, insidious. Really? Yeah, we yeah, are? Yeah, we are, we are. Yes, and then we also still have our giveaway to come. I'm intrigued mm-hmm. by this insidiousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and, of course, uh, we still have our um, our quiz prize up for grabs. So that's a, a brand-new copy of the NKJV Bible. What are you doing? I just looked over to see Lyle with a pen in his mouth, chomping on it. Oh, you pulled it out. Oh, good job. You've um, Now I found out why it, re- why it ran out so quickly. Why? It's tiny. Oh, it was only like one of those half full pens, one of those cheapo. <laughs> oh, wow. It's like half. <laughs> oh, that's really nasty. How would they? Why would they do that? <laughs> what a rip So he's pulled off. the insides out of the pen and that little plastic tube <laughs> that's usually quite long is only half the size. <laughs> It's what you need to or do, even less, is like a third, third, third size. So you're about to perform surgery and take the innards out of a different pen. So that pen looks a lot better. Oh wow, look at the difference in length. That's not very nice. <coughs> I think you got. Ri- I think you got ripped off, Mon. Yeah, there I we think go. I did. Problem solved. Oh, I see what the problem is. <laughs> 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 the innards of that spanner must be solid up the top. I'm going to have to wait for this one to go down, down enough so I can actually cut the end off it and then put it inside the spanner one. Why don't you just cut the end off now? Because then I'll get ink everywhere. Yeah, that'd be hilarious for me to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but people can't see that on radio. As, as I mentioned before. Look, I can the, video. Ra- radio does not work like this. I can video that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, we still have the Bible and the two study guides going as our prize for today. Give us a call if you know the answer to the quiz, 1-800-FAITH-FM, or text us 0491-064-669. So that's a brand new Bible and two secondhand study guides. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Encounter with God. What have we got? John, John the Revelator, chapter 17, verse 9 is where we're going to begin. Oh, how come my Bible's wet? I don't know. Well, it is just one of those days. Your pen ran out, my Bible's wet, I forgot all my stuff, there was a spider and a slater bug in my shower. bug. You're the only person I've ever come across disturbed (laughs) by a slater bug. I'm not a huge fan of any bug, all right. John what? (coughs) Slater bugs are kind of cute. Uh, John chapter 17, verse 9. John 17, verse 9. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me. Okay, why is it that because Jesus Because they belong is, to you. Why is it that Jesus is so concerned at this particular point for those that, for his disciples? 
I guess because he loves them and he wants them to be saved, right? He does, uh-huh. yeah. But there's a there's a specific reason. There is a specific timing to this prayer. Something is about to take place. It's right before his execution, right? Yes. Yeah. So he knows that the disciples, their faith is going to be really, really tried, tested. really tested mm-hmm. um, with what is about to happen. And as a result of that, yeah, he's praying for them. They, 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 they're going to face some, some tough times ahead. Yeah. And their faith is going to be really, really shaken. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so he's praying for his disciples. Um, Yeah, keep going. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one was lost, except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Let's stop there and consider something for a moment. There's a lot of um, reference to name in this. Why is it that the Bible is referring to name? Yeah, I was just wondering the same thing myself. There seems to be a lot of like your name, my name kind of a thing, the name you gave me. Yeah, what's so important about a person's it, name? I mean, you can call anybody anything that you want and it's not really going to... Uh, affect much. Yeah. You can call, call me anything you want, just don't call me late for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> it's been said a million times before, I'm sure, but yeah. <coughs> um, it, it makes the point. <laughs> um, is it, would, when God gives someone a name, it, it has different, different um, <coughs> gravity to it. For sure. Mm-hmm. And why does God give a person a name? Um, it denotes something about their character, doesn't it? Or it does, future. yeah. It's all about character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when God's talking about his name here and the name that he's given to Jesus, it's all about his character and his mission and his purpose. That's what it's referring to in this particular passage. Okay. So he, what na- like, does it talk, talk about the name Jesus? or? Well, Jesus has a number of different names, but that's where you would start in understanding the uh, the passage. You know, Jesus meaning, obviously, Saviour. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's where you would start in understanding what, what what is it talking about here? You know, talking about God's name, Yahweh. You know, the uh, the self existent one, um, and uh, you know all of the other different names that there are for God. Okay, okay, and I mean I don't remember in the Bible anywhere that that God particularly gave Jesus those names. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. The Bible says, for mm. 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 for he shall save his people from their sins. Matthew one verse twenty one. Okay, fair enough. So, yeah, it was given to uh, the angel who gave it to Mary and Joseph. Okay, okay, yeah. So he has given it. And so he's harking, harking back to that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yep. Okay, uh, what else did we read there? Um, he's guarding someone who was oh, not lost. Oh, now here's an interesting thought. Here's an interesting thought. This is something that I came up recently at, um, came across recently at a, um, a series of meetings that I was attending. It talks about those who have been given to him. Mm-hmm. The question is, does that then mean that our destiny is predetermined? You know, because God took these men and gave them to Jesus. Does that mean that the that is that the destiny is predetermined and that those people had no choice in what took place? And Judas had no choice in what took place because God gave to Jesus one who was a devil, so to speak. No, they chose they chose that. As I put up your hand saying, take me. And so God took them and gave them to Jesus. Others would argue the other way and they would say, no, these people were created for salvation and, and Judas was created for damnation. Well, that's a horrible thing to say. 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because so. that really that really puts a blight on God's character. Yeah. And that's uh, we know from the Bible that's not who God is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, as soon as you take away the power of choice, you've, you've extinguished the existence of love. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple as that. And you know, I know that um, you know that, that some of these people they, uh, they they argue very strongly and passionately for the sovereignty of God, and I believe absolutely in the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is critically important for us to understand. He is God. He is ruler and creator of the universe. He can do whatever he wants in the universe. He does not have to be a god of love. That's his choice to be a god of love. But the fact that he chooses to be a god of love means that the power of choice exists for us. And that predestination, as it is understood by some within Christianity, is really nothing more than an attack on the character of God. Yeah, I guess one of the easiest ways to discover whether or not a doctrine is false is to look at it and see what it tells you about God's character. Oh, exactly, exactly. That's where and you should always start. If it doesn't tell you that God is love, then it's not. It's not. It's a false yep. doctrine. Then. Yep. Absolutely. And this is one of the things I've been cogitating on because I've sort of been thinking, you know, why is it that you know where does where does theistic evolution even come from? Yeah. Um, because theistic evolution, and I know I'm sort of getting way off subject right here, but theistic evolution is is this concept that God creates, God's creative power is death. Which is just, it just boggles my mind that people want to believe that. Yeah, so God becomes a God of death, not a God of life, not a God of love, but a God of death. So God creates, you know, some cells and then through a process of death, because the creative power in natural selection is death. You know, that's what improves the species is survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And so unless you've got death and death and death and death and death and survival of a few, then you've got no progress in the actual species itself. Um, and so what you've got then God doing is creating pain as his means of creating life. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And so for me, that's a that's a just an, 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 a barrier to the concept of theistic evolution that I can never cross. Yeah, because of what it says about the character of God. It's actually to me, it's it's, it's uh, I don't want to be horrible, but it's just it's more stupid of an option to believe than just to believe in no God. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Either yeah, believe in God as a God of love, or just be a totally outright atheist. Don't believe in this sort of in the middle wishy washy painful spot yeah. to be in is theistic yeah. evolution. Uh huh. Um, and it's and it's it's totally totally unviable, and, and I've often wondered, you know, how, how could how could a Christian even accept such a thing? Mm. You know, how could a Christian even consider uh, that such a thing would ever take place? That you know there would be um, you know uh, a, a God who would use death and pain and suffering and and you know the, the violence that you see in nature, the horrific things that you see taking place in nature, that God would see this as a good thing. <clears throat> and as a positive way of bringing about life. It's not the kind of God you want to serve at all. No, not at all. But then I began to look at it and I thought, okay, there are many Christians who will accept that God does not give freedom of choice, that we're predestined. Mm-hmm. Um, along with that, because we're predestined, you know, obviously once saved, always saved, you, you can never lose your salvation. Um, so there's no there's no power of choice whatsoever at all, and then they will combine with that the concept of eternal hellfire. Now the Bible is clear about the existence of hellfire. It's also very clear that the fire devours, and we talked about that yesterday during question time. And so when I look at these um, when I look at these concepts, if you believe in a God who creates uh, 
a minimum number of people that he wants to spend eternity with and everybody else he creates for the purpose, for the sole purpose of burning them eternally. That's the reason they brought them into existence. Which is disgusting. Yeah. Then it makes it pretty easy to accept a God who would use death as a means of creation. Yeah. You've, 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 you've um, emphasized the sovereignty of God, which is there's nothing wrong with emphasizing God's sovereignty without emphasizing the love of God. And this is where you know the whole system falls apart because the Bible says God is love, and either the Bible is lying or it's not lying. And if and if God is not a God of love, I don't want to have anything to do with Him. To be honest, you know, I'm a I'm a total atheist to the kind of God that most people are atheists to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, same. I don't believe in the God that they believe in. Yeah, it's. I wish people could like maybe just paint out or write down or just explain this this God they think you know is you know real and then and then allow us to go through and adjust and be like well it doesn't do that no nah, it's not quite that because that's that's the satan that's satan's biggest <coughs> game right is to is to yeah. destroy the character of god in our mind and this is where this is where people like uh, richard dawkins find such powerful arguments against christianity it's not against christianity it's against the perversion of christianity mm-hmm. you know he's an atheist to a type of god that i'm also an atheist to he's an atheist to a to a god who is uh who is horrific and is you know does does terrible things and 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 is not a god of love. I'm an atheist to a god like that as well. I believe in a god of love. The Bible teaches a god of love. That's what I find when I read the Bible. This is from one end to the other. I find a god of love. So when it says here in John 17, I guarded them so that no one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Is that a reference to Judas? Yes, the one the one for destruction is Judas. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Which is um, interesting because that story is yet to be told in its fullness. Oh, okay. We've had it, we've had some you know some hints at it a little bit earlier on, but that uh, story is not really told in its fullness until Jesus dies on the cross, and of course Judas then goes and commits suicide, hangs himself. But it says here, as the scriptures foretold, so that was prophesied as well, mm-hmm. and that's not because God wanted it to be that; it's just that God knew the future. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Okay, we have, uh, um, <clears throat> let's move on with uh, a couple more verses there. Keep reading for us, Mom. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world, sorry, hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Jesus is not asking his disciples to be taken away from what? The world. So what does that tell us about the concept of uh, monasticism? Monasticism? Yes. You might have to explain to everyone what that means first. Okay, so monasticism is basically um, the system of monasteries. Mm-hmm. Particularly popular during, during the Dark Ages, but making somewhat of a resurgence in recent times with the whole, you know... Um, contemplative spirituality that is coming into Christianity. And the idea is that you separate yourself from the world. And, of course, you know, the new movement is you do it for a season rather than for a, you know, a, a period of time rather than for a life. But, but in, in, in previous times, you would separate yourself from the world for life. And so when I was visiting Greece, I visited some of the, you know, the most amazing monasteries you'll find anywhere in the world. 
and they're built on top of these you know large rocks that are just sort of poking up out of the landscape and the idea was that they were almost impossible to gain access to mm-hmm. the idea being that you could go there you could separate yourself from the world and by so doing uh, you would you would um, separate yourself from temptation and then you would separate yourself from sin so you would never sin so you would live a holy life it began in this particular area by um, an individual who climbed up a cliff face a very 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 difficult cliff face and lived in a cave for his whole life by himself it's such a waste of life yeah it's like what's the point you know Um, so he lives in this cave by himself for his whole life and then uh, the idea catches on and they start to build these monasteries where people can live a little bit more comfortably and, of course, you know, no women allowed, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they have this whole routine of, of uh, you know, prayers that they would do on a regular basis. And then, you know, as I was visiting these monasteries, one of the things that I found was that one of their major uh, – a lot of them were accessible only by a basket on a rope. Wow. It's the only way you get in or out. Now, you'd have to have a lot of faith in that basket. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. And in the rope that lifts it up. And you sort of, you know, you look at the uh, the ancient machinery that they used to use and it's like, oh, I'm kind of thankful that there's somebody created stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> but, um, yeah, you're only accessible by a basket with a rope. and But they did have industry there. And one of the major industries that they had was the production of wine. Oh. And so I'm just sort of thinking to myself, this is kind of a, a uh, contradiction. Mm-hmm. Because you go to this place to uh, separate yourself from the world and to separate yourself from you know, the possibility of ever sinning again and live a holy life, and then you drink alcohol, which is going to break down your inhibitions, which makes it so much easier to sin. That's it, yeah. You know, this is, this is kind of defeating to, the purpose right here. If they're trying to get away from temptation, and yet they're up there like creating alcohol, which is going <laughs> to... Create an environment for temptation, Uh as it always does. Anybody Mm -hmm. who has been involved in alcohol knows how that works. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you sort of look at it and think, think, okay, there's a reason why. Okay, so so apart from the fact, let's say that the monastic system was successful. Mm -hmm. Let's say that you could actually go there and live a wholly sin-free life, Mm -hmm. you know, as as if that was possible. Um, Then you still have to ask yourself, what is the point of that life? What have you accomplished with that life? Exactly. You've lived a sin-free life, but in what way have you positively affected the world? You haven't positively affected the world in any way, shape or form whatsoever because you are not a part of the world. You've exerted no influence whatsoever. And God being a relational God, you know, he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to have relationships with other people too. Yeah, absolutely. That's Mm -hmm. what it's all about. And so what does the Bible say here that Jesus is praying that they... Not do. He's praying that they don't get taken from the world. Yes. He's saying that they don't belong to the world. So in other words, Jesus is praying that they don't get involved in the monastic system. Yeah. Isn't it funny how we we love to read the Bible and then do the exact opposite of what the Bible says? Yeah, it's true. It's a bizarre trait of human character and so often we will... um, we will we will do the exact opposite of what the Bible says from a from a religious standpoint. You know, the Bible says don't do this. It's like, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to going to do it in a religious way. So therefore, it must be right. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's it's a weird thing about um, about human nature. Anyway, 
we need to move on and we need to read a couple more verses, but we're kind of running a little bit short on time. We might keep a couple more of these verses to our next section. Um, so right now what we're going to do is we're going to listen to Josh White. Uh, he is going to bring us the song, He Is Able. You're listening to Faith FM. He is able to keep us from stumbling. He is able when distances come between everything that we hold dear. He is able to draw us into deeper life. He is able. Cut away like a knife Everything that keeps us from Him Everything that keeps us from Him Josh White with He Is Able here on Faith FM. 
All right, we're in John chapter 17 with our encounter with God. And before we get into the last few verses that we're going to be looking at, we're going to have another clue for our quiz. Yes. Who am I? Though I was 120 years old when I died, yet my eyes are not weak nor my strength gone. If you know who that is, give us a call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. You can win a Bible and two study guides about the book of Acts. Okay, so that's a rather major Bible character right there. It's huge. Who had a long life mm-hmm. and was an author of a number of books of the Bible mm-hmm. and is revered by three world religions. Yep. There's some multiple clues for you. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer to today's quiz. And although he dies at the age of 120, he still comes back and makes other appearances later on in the Bible. Oh, now you're really giving clues away. Yeah, I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're saying this guy's dead or is he alive or what is he? Well... (laughs) Did he die or did he not really die? He did die. Okay, he really died. Mm -hmm. All right, let's let's leave it at that. Yeah, he didn't go go up in any chariots. Did not go up in any chariots. Uh Uh-uh. All right, so uh, where were we at? We were talking about John chapter 17, and let's read now verse uh, 16 through 19. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Thank you. Let's stop there. All right, a number of points that we can draw out of this as we work our way through it. And uh, the first is um, where it says, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so Jesus outlines a contrast. There should be a contrast between somebody who proclaims themselves as a follower of Christ and somebody who is not a follower of Christ. Um, There should be a difference. Mm -hmm. People should be able to recognize that difference. A little bit earlier on, it says that, you know, the world will hate them because they are not of the world. Is this where that whole phrase, uh, in the world but not of the world, comes from? It's exactly where it comes from. Mm -hmm. It's from this passage right here. It's from the prayer of Jesus. And so the question then arises is this. Historically, has the world hated Christianity? Yes. Why? I suppose because we're not always doing such a good job of being Christians and Christianity is responsible for a lot of human death. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's a really, really valid reason. Mm -hmm. Jesus says that you should be not of the world and because you are not of the world, the world will hate you. So let's say that you are doing a good job of being a Christian in that you are not worldly. You are living a Christ-like life. You are living a life like Jesus lived his life. And then the Bible says the world will hate you. Why does the world hate you if you live a life like Jesus lived his life? Why did the world hate Jesus? Is it because uh, it shows them up? Yeah, I think that's yeah. basically what it comes down to. Is wherever you have, um, wherever you have people who set a higher standard, it makes people setting a lower standard feel bad. Mm-hmm. And the way that you... St- you know the the natural human reaction to feeling bad is to be defensive and to attack. Yeah, and so people make themselves feel better by attacking rather than repenting, which is a shame. 
Yeah, it, it is a shame because, I mean, how are you going to deal with that guilty conscience? You know, the best way to deal with that guilty conscience is by taking, you know, um, by taking it to God and finding forgiveness. But people are like, no, I'm going to hang on to my guilty conscience. I'm, I'm feeling rebuked because somebody's set a higher standard right here and so they're going to um, a- a- attack rather than, um, you know, rather than just, you know. Pen- yeah. Repent or, or simply accept that the person has you know different view, etc. And it's something that we should take note within ourselves. If we find ourselves, you know, we have those feelings rising up in us that we, we'd rather attack someone to maybe uh, have some introspection and some self-reflection and to pray. Um, and so they're not, you know, stepping up to a higher standard is the answer. You know, and be inspired rather than than tearing down. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think you raise a really, really important point right there. Um, it's something we need to take note of. The other question is this. If the world doesn't hate us, what does that say about us? We're kind of of the world. Yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're not seeing a whole lot of difference right <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, blending in. Yeah, we're blending in and that's not necessarily a good thing either. All right, so let's go to verse 17. The Bible says, sanctify them. There's a big word. What does your translation say? Make them holy. Okay, so if you ever come across the word sanctify and you don't know what the word sanctify means, there is a very easy way of remembering what the word sanctify means. It means to sanctify, to be made into a saint. Mm -hmm. This is not a beatification process. This is not a long process. This is not a process that is performed by a church or a church official or anybody else. If you want to become a saint, the way that you become a saint is To be canonized? Nope. (laughs) You know how you get canonized? You get in a cannon and shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to come up with some. <laughs> now, canonization um, comes from the other canon. You have the canon, which is the big gun, and you have the canon, which is the rule. Okay. And when you follow the rule in some um, Christian traditions, you can become a saint, which means that now people can pray to you and, and, and that kind of thing, which they weren't allowed to do beforehand. Oh. It's interesting, you know, humans get to decide what happens in heaven but anyway that's another story for another day to become a saint is simply to give your life to jesus christ and to accept him into your life according to the bible that's who a saint is so you're a saint i'm a saint martyr's a saint we're all saints according to the bible as long as we've asked jesus into our hearts that's right yeah yeah and the word sanctify means to sanctify to make a person into a saint to make that person holy and so that's a process that's going to take over take place over a very long period of time um, as uh, as you know, the Holy Spirit works in our heart and changes us on a day by day basis. Well, I mean, it says here, sancti- I mean, make them holy, sanctify them by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Mm-hmm. So that means if we ask them into our hearts, but it says here, make them holy by your truth. Which raises an interesting point because there are those who say there's no such thing as truth. Mm-hmm. There's your truth, there's my truth, there's somebody else's truth, but there's no such thing as truth. It's a little bit of an oxymoron. It's like, how do you even have the word truth? Truth by nature is something that is singular. You know, you can't have multiple truths because if your truth is different from my truth, then your truth becomes an untruth. Yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Doesn't yeah, it? it's kind of circular <laughs> reasoning. It goes, yeah, goes around and around in circles. Mm-hmm. And so you, to, have, to have morals, you have to have some things that are absolute truths. Um, that are absolute, you know, moral truths. And, of course, we do find those things in our world today. They're universally accepted by human beings as absolute moral truths. Even those who argue against absolutes, 
you can very quickly and very easily bring up certain situations and they will then turn around and argue, no, that, that's an absolute moral um, certainty right there. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely wrong under any uh, circumstances to take children and turn them into sex slaves, for instance. I think the problem at the moment is that I don't think there's any morality that hasn't been attacked in this fashion, though. I think there's in every single moral discussion, there's people now who are like trying to normalise it. So, I mean, even even with uh, even with child abuse, there's people saying it was just another sexual preference. Yeah, which uh, is disgusting because child it's, abuse, it's, yes. Um, child sex trafficking, not so much. Okay. Even by those who are involved in it, yeah, you know, they know it's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's pretty much no justification for something like that. And these are definitely things we need to be taking a stand on, on these absolute truths. Yeah, absolutely. Absolute moral the, the Bible truths. says that it is truth that makes us holy, makes us into a saint. And it finishes off this little section that says, For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. So Jesus sets us the example in all things that we, uh, we have the privilege of being able to follow him. Oh soul, are you weary in trouble? Light in the darkness you see There's a light for a look at the Savior And life more abundant and free Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in His wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strange
forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Carly Fletcher with uh, Do You Really Know Me here on Faith FM. We have come to question of the day time, and we have a most interesting question. Before we get to the question of the day, we have another clue for the quiz. One last clue. Which has not yet been snapped up. Mm-hmm. Who am I? God called to me from within a fiery bush. Who got called from a burning bush to become a Red Sea parton meek leader? <laughs> Give us a call. Not giving any clues away there. one 324 is the number or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer. Lyle, question of the day. Yes. I told you we're going to talk about something a little bit insidious today. Okay. Insidious. Insidi- yes. I cannot get this word right. Okay. All right. In- insidious. Something. Yeah, okay. What is anti-Trinitarianism? It is anti being against Trinitarianism. So against Trinitarianism, that's your answer. That's right a there. terrible dictionary answer. You are a terrible, terrible <laughs> dictionary. <laughs> well, that's your answer right there. You want to know what it is? That's what it is. Okay, so let's um, let's dig into this a little bit further. The word Trinity means um, threefold. It comes from the uh, Latin Trinitus or Greek uh, is closer to triad, etc. So threefold, and it describes the doctrine of the Godhead. So the Bible nowhere uses the word Trinity. This is not a word that you'll find in the Bible. It is not wrong to use modern words to describe biblical concepts. For instance, we talk about the millennium. You don't find the millennium anywhere in the Bible. Uh, the Bible talks about a thousand years, but milli annum means a thousand years. And so we, we often apply modern terms to describe things that the Bible uses, uh, simpler terms to, to, to describe, really. Okay, so the word Trinity is not found in the Bible, but the word Godhead is. And the Bible describes the Godhead as being three. So if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Plural language. We know that God is more than one. We also find that the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, and by him, Jesus Christ, everything was made that was made, Colossians 1 verse 17. And so when we look at creation, when God says, let us make man in our image, we find that there are three persons involved. There is the Father, there is the Son, and there is the Holy Spirit. And so this is where the concept of the word Trinity comes from in describing the Godhead. I usually use the word Godhead to describe it because it's a much less controversial term. Some people get worried like, oh, you're using a word that's not in the Bible. So the word Godhead is a word that no one can argue with. It's in the Bible. Now, an anti-Trinitarian would be somebody who would claim that God is not three, that God is singular. And there are many passages in the Bible that say that we serve one God. We are monotheists. We believe in one God. So how do you have three persons who are one? This is something that some people really struggle to, uh, to, to really come to grips with. Well, it's really very simple. If you look further in uh, the Genesis account, which is the foundation for all Scripture in chapter 2, you find that the Bible says you know, uh, that a man should leave his father and mother, should cleave to his wife, and those two should become one. Now, when you look at a husband and wife relationship, you've got two persons, but in a sinless hub- husband and wife relationship, you've got two persons that are united in one, in, their, in thought, in action, in, in deed, in every aspect of their lives. They're perfectly united together as a example of the Godhead. 
So if we look at the Godhead in the Bible, we find that if you go, for instance, to the baptism of John, great example, not the baptism by John, I should say, the baptism of Jesus by John, great example of the Godhead here. You have three persons. You have the Father who speaks from heaven. You have the Son who comes up out of the water. And you have the Holy Spirit descending as a dove. Three persons in three different places doing three different things all together at the same time. So you have that in creation. You have it at the baptism of Jesus. You have the same thing as at the resurrection of Jesus where Jesus says, I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to take it again. And the Bible says the Father raised Jesus from the dead and the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Then you find that in uh, many places in the Bible, for instance, you know, the, the Bible talks about the personhood of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is described as you know, using the personal pronoun he. When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not tell you things you know, he has made. He will tell you things, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all the way through there. And so what we find is that there are three distinct persons in the Godhead who make up one God perfectly united together. Now, the reason I said it was insidious is because people sometimes get stuck on this anti-Trinitarianism, sort of, they, they don't believe in the Godhead anymore, and then they sort of get stuck on this little false doctrine, and then that's all they can bang on about. It's impossible to believe in anti-Trinitarianism without degrading, in some ways, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's... And lowering his status. Which is insidious, indeed. Yeah. Thank you very much for answering that, Lyle. If you have a question, give us a call here at Faith FM. Our number is 1-800-324-843. It's 1-800-FAITH-FM. You can ask us anything you like. We'll answer it for question of the day. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond our measure. That he should give his only son To make a wretch his treasure How great the pain of searing loss The father turns his face away as wounds which mother chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon him. Yeah. 
Welcome back, everybody. Um, <clears throat> you were listening to Sila uh, with How Deep the Father's Love for Us here on Faith FM. And we have come to the end of the show, so we're about to give something away on our show today. So, oh, I'm super excited about this one because this one is Steps to Christ with uh, the audio version. So, yes. I, I really like audio books. This is great. Nothing this like traveling with an audio book. So true, so true. Give us a call right now. We only have one copy. It's an audio book of Steps to Christ, uh, 13 chapters. It's uh, three hours and 20 minutes of um, audio. Uh, so, you can pop that, that CD in anywhere. Yeah, that's a decent road, road trip right there. That is, that is indeed. Uh, that's several commutes. <laughs> if you're not going on any road trips, to driving to and from work. Actually, uh, we shouldn't. We shouldn't really be promoting this for a road trip. Why? Because people can listen to Faith FM on their road trip. Well, not all day long. Ah, but they can't listen to the breakfast. We, we will let you off the hook if you yeah. uh, skip the breakfast. Yeah. Show. And don't don't tell our bosses we said that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this is great, especially like you know, because I, I know a lot of people who are dyslexic and don't like reading, and so this is a, this is a great um, switch up for them, so they can listen yep. to this audio book. So this is Steps to Christ, uh, one of the most beautiful books ever written. I I reread this book uh, for the first two weeks of every year. So it's 13, 13, 14 chapters, and I read one per day um, for, for the first two weeks of January. It's my personal um, New Year's sort of resolution, a way to set the year right and to have a, a, a goal and a, a theme for the year. And uh, so this is a beautiful one that I've read many, many times. And uh, and you can get a copy of the audiobook right here, right now. We only have one. So give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. All right. So, and of course, um, if you would like to know more about the Bible, don't forget, we would love to connect you with being able to study more about the Bible. We have uh, ways and means for everybody right across Australia, small groups, one-on-one Correspondence course online. However you would like to study the Bible, give us a call and we will make that happen for you. And of course, don't forget, if you'd like to do my prophetic code course, Very good then course. Uh, give us a call right here. 1-800-324-843 is our number. I could just sit I could just sit and wait for all your goodness Hope to feel your presence I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again. Mm -hmm. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. I could be safe. 
I will be yours for all.